Welcome, everyone. What we'll do is just uh, uh, chant Om. That way it just brings everybody's mind together in one time, one place, and uh, injects a, a higher vibration because half of you are just coming from breakfast and cafes and chit-chat. So it'll elevate, elevate your mind. So it'll take a deep breath in. is much more significant than you may think. You know, it's in America, it's been sort of made deeply dumbed down and sort of a sort of a colloquial thing to do. But it's, it's actually has a deep spiritual significance. And uh, it's also the your whole spiritual path is is within that word OM. <laughs> You know, the, your creation, your substance, your dissolution, and then what's beyond. It's all in that OM. The whole cycle of life is in OM. And the whole cycle of moving from, from matter to spirit is also in OM. Uh, <clears throat> both philosophically and actually literally. <laughs> The, the, the whole spiritual journey is, is actually within that sound. It's, this, it's the sound that moves you from, from uh, creation to beyond creation. See? From matter to spirit. Um, so, in um, one side, it's, it's a physical vibration. In another way, it's also a metaphysical Vibration, a metaphysical event. See? So let's say you say a prayer. That's like a, a physical event. And then holy mackerel, God answers the prayer. <laughs> That's a metaphysical event. <laughs> See? Yeah. So they work in tandem. <laughs> but uh, anything in this yoga path, you know, it, it's always in levels. You know, it's not, it's not just what you see. You know, matter of fact, 99% of yoga is what you don't see. <laughs> what you will see over the course of time. Um, so today, uh, it was the, the topic was questions and answers along the path. So that puts a lot of responsibility on you guys 
to see what questions you have and uh, for you to do a, a deconstruction to say, well, you know, what do I want in life? What is the path? And you know, all of that type of stuff. You, you, you have to really use your, your mind to, to break things down to its most fundamental uh, aspect, which means its most uh, significant or, or deepest aspect. Um, unfortunately, we, we have the habit of uh, living in so the most frivolous. What's that word? Trivial? Yeah, it's like trivial. It's frivolous, like frivolous. We, we have the habit of living in sort of the most frivolous. Uh, it's like eating lots of popcorn. You know, very tasty, but no substance. So that, that's, that's a lot of our life. If we sort of stop and look at our, our last 10 conversations and say, you know, how important was that? How meaningful was that? You know, would my life have changed if I didn't have those 10 conversations? Probably your life wouldn't have changed <laughs> if you didn't have those 10, last 10 conversations. So the question becomes, how important were they really? What, what was their significance? See? A lot of times the, the yogis don't talk that much because they, they see what's going on in the world as frivolous. Not good, not bad, just unimportant. <laughs> you know, and uh, they're they're trying to hold on to the uh, the root of their existence, not just the wind that's blowing by. You know, most of what we say and do is wind. You know, came went. So what? <laughs> As where the, the yogis, part of their mind is always contemplating the, the nature of reality. See, we assume that phenomena is reality. And the yogi doesn't think like that at all. They see phenomena as phenomena, not as reality. If you see a movie on a screen, is that reality? No, it's phenomena. It's not really real. So the, the yogi is thinking, I can see that it's, it's a dream, it's an illusion. So I'm aware of it, but I'm not going to invest in it. <laughs> see, so a lot of times they're quiet because they're trying to really understand what's beyond the phenomena, what's beyond the dream, what's beyond the illusion. See? Like if we see people on a movie screen, Everything that they're doing is not, is not real. Those are actually real people with real lives that have nothing to do with what's going on on the screen. <laughs> you know, they, they live, they love, they have babies, they have families, they have crises, but you don't see that on the screen. You see some other dream on the screen. So the, the, the yogi is, is aware of so much of that's happening with people. It's sort of a, a dy dynamic dream. See, it's, it's not really, really real. You know? It's like um, trying to have a conversation with a drunk. Is what they're saying really, really real? You know, they can be like crying and committed to what they're saying, but is it real? <laughs> no, no. 
it's not real at all. And it, and it doesn't represent who they are. All the verbiage and nonsense coming out of their mouth is, is dribble. It has nothing to do with who and what they are. So the yogis are, tend to be a little bit more quiet and much more reflective to say, is this really, really real? And is this really, really important? <laughs> you know? So, did you guys come equipped with any kind of questions? <laughs> you know? Because, you know, you should say, what is this yoga? You know, what is this life? Does it have, what meaning does it have to me? Or, you know, is it, is it relevant or is it irrelevant? You know, those are the kind of things you should be thinking about. And if there is relevancy, you know, what's it mean to me and what will I get out of it? You know, those are the kinds of things you need to be thinking about. Yes, well. I kind of have a question. I mean, a lot of you guys have been here for a while, so this might be really a basic question, so I apologize. All the questions <laughs> so, are basic. Um, how do you engage then with someone who seems to be in a of, I guess, you know, uh, dribble, let's say, and how do you take a conversation or how do you discern the truth between, you know, not just yourself, but like when you're engaging with other people? You, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Yes. I mean, how do you try to bring the conversation when you're trying to talk to someone? To oh, how do you make a conversation significant? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Often you don't. <laughs> you know, uh, um, it, it's, it's like having a conversation with a, with a drunk. What's the point? There's no point. <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to wait for the appropriate opportunity. Like what a, what a teacher does is most of the time we're just waiting. You know, you know if, if a person is intoxicated, we have to wait till they're sober to have a conversation with them. Having a conversation with an intoxicated person is a waste of time. So you just have to sit, like you smile, you do palliative things to keep them safe, and you wait. <laughs> you know, because not, not everybody has the question in their mind, what's the meaning of life? You know, or, you know, what's the difference between uh, joy and pleasure. You know, if you go out and ask 20 of your best friends, have they ever asked themselves the question, the difference between joy and pleasure? Probably 20 of them never asked that question of themselves. See? Yoga is asking those types of questions. You know, you know pleasure is a momentary event. You know, joy is a deep, substantial, sort of internal you know, condition. So, and then you, the, the path of yoga is to say, okay, pleasure's okay, but how can I change the ratio between pleasure and joy? Increase the joy of life. It's like, joy of life is when you wake up and you just feel great. You have no reason to feel great, but you woke up, you just feel great. <laughs> and that, that feeling of, 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 of joy goes on with you as we're, you know, you know, pleasure may be your, your mom made you your favorite breakfast, you know. But you know, an hour later, you're not thinking about that breakfast. It's, it's, it's not with you anymore. 
know, so <coughs> yoga is, is really about what has the greatest meaning in life, you know, you know, is the human condition what we think it is, you know, is, is, is there more to the human condition than, than we've currently experienced, see? The yogi says, yeah, <coughs> you know, that we're, we're basically living in, in a box. And, and yoga is tr trying to first make you aware that you're in a box and then helping you to get out of the box. You, know, you live in the, the... Could you turn off that radio in the back? Um, you're living in the box of your habits. Nima? Huh? Uh, could you turn off the radio, please? Could you what? Turn off the radio. Okay. Thank you. You're, you're living in a box of habits. You don't even realize it. You're living in a box of habits because that's what surrounds you all the time. It, it, it's, it's so familiar that you don't recognize it's there anymore. It's like if I ask you, you know, you all have had, uh, you all live in homes, and you all drive cars, and you ask yourself, how many times have you gone up and down your street in the home that you lived? And then I ask you, what is the color of the house? The, the three houses on your right-hand side, what are their colors? And the three houses on your left-hand side, what are their colors? Most of you can't tell me the colors of the houses that you've passed 10,000 times. It's not that you haven't seen them, not that you haven't experienced them, it's not that they've gone away, but they're so familiar that you don't see them anymore. <laughs> They're just that familiar. You don't see them anymore. You, you know, you, you can't say, oh, there's a green, blue, and yellow house. You, you can't tell me that. But you go past it every single day. So your, your habits are like that. They, they become so familiar that they become invisible. And because they're habits, they're binding and guiding you. See? So... So that means you're in a box that's binding you and guiding you, and you're not even aware of it. <laughs> you know, that's a problem <laughs> because some of those habits are not helpful. <laughs> some of those habits are neutral, and some of those habits are useful. But you can't sort it out because you're not aware of it. You're, you're being controlled, and you're not aware of it. Can you see the problem? <laughs> You know? uh, yoga wants to get you to be self-aware. You know, you don't fix a problem that you're not aware of. You're not aware of it, so how are you going to fix it? <laughs> so yoga, it tr tries to get you to uh, enter uh, a very deep uh, reflective condition to, to, to say, what are the elements in life that are, are affecting you? Um, uh, what do you really want out of life? You know? And then when you say, what do I want out of life? Why? You know, like people say, oh, I want a girlfriend. I want to be married. Why? Maybe why you want that is not a really good answer. Oh, I'm going to marry some girl because I'll be happy. Really? Come on, really? Is that really what's going to make you happy? You know, you, 
you're trying to take some injection of some energetic from the outside to make your inside happy? Is that really going to work? No. If you're not happy on the inside, having some external injection is not going to help. You know, she could be the best woman in the world. Well, I told the story to a friend uh, the other day. I have a, a good friend who is sort of a personal disaster. And many years ago, he's going to marry this girl. Why does he want to marry this girl? Because it's going to make him happy. And I was thinking, oh my God, this poor girl doesn't know what she's getting. He's, he's a great guy, but he's a disaster. You know, so hence three years later, the disaster became full manifest, and of course the divorce came. But he was trying to fix something using an external element for something that was fundamentally wrong internally. So she was going to make him better. Of course it didn't work. Of course it didn't work. You know, if, you know, if, if something is wrong in my the engine of my car. I don't look over at the engine of your car and think your engine's going to make my engine better. No, you got to get into the, your own personal, interpersonal dynamics and sort it out. <laughs> you don't say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to associate with that car and that car's going to fix my car. But this never happened. So it, 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 all, it, it all starts with us. We have to, the yogis want you to make a, 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 an assessment of where you are. You know, what really, 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 really makes you happy? What really, 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 really makes you sad? And why? Not just what makes you happy and what makes you sad, but why? See? Without uh, an appropriate examination of, of, of both sides, you're really profoundly lost. And, you know, ask yourself, what do I predominantly put my attention on? Whatever you predominantly put your attention on, that's where you're going and that's what you're becoming. Whether it's positive or negative or neutral, that's that's going to be your reality you know where where you put your attention so the yogis are constantly saying do prayers and do mantras and do meditation and you know think about altruism and read good books they're they're telling you that because they know those things are going to create your future right now we're creating our future in the most random way possible <laughs> just utterly random, uh, that we're constantly putting our attention on sort of whatever is flowing by. And from the uh, yogi's point of view, that's like covering your body with glue and then going and rolling through the city dump. You know, can you imagine all the kinds of crazy things you'll pick up? You know, you're going to pick up sort of the stuff of the world. You know, the refuge of the world, which is a representation of everything everyone has collected. You know, but is that really what you want? You know, is that really what you want? You know, you might even get lucky and pick up a diamond ring. 
you know, along with a whole bunch of other rubbish. So you, we're like a, a we're like beings that are just casting a wide net and sort of dredging our way through the world and saying that's our experience. Is that what you really want to do? <laughs> just pick up all the stuff of the world and file it away in your subconscious as part of your personal interpersonal experience, you know, consciously and unconsciously dredging up whatever you pass and then holding on to it. See, it's pretty bleak when you realize what, what, what you're sucking up. You know, you, you sort of want to be more, instead of covering yourself with glue, let's try Teflon so nothing sticks. You know, and you hold on to only the things you want to hold on to. You know, instead of just sort of passing through the world and sort of accumulating every kind of energetic, every kind of thought, every kind of emotion, every kind of physicality without any kind of a sorting process. It's just like, okay, this was my day. <laughs> Good and bad. And you, you had nothing to uh, repulse things that are not pleasant. You just sort of absorbed it. You know? So, you know, one of the things about saying something like mantra japa, mantra is sacred utterance. These mantras uh, bring an energetic into your body and into your consciousness that repulses anything not like it's not like it. So, if you're saying, let's say, Ram mantra, Om Shri Ram Jadam Jadam and that energy is, now you're starting to get filled with that energy. And you're walking down the street and some people are having a sort of a vicious argument. Unconsciously, the average person would start to absorb the energy. Oh my God, this terrible argument's going on. And they would start to absorb that energy. And even when they've left the scene, they still are carrying that energy. Now, if you're practicing things like mantra japa, you become aware of a vicious energy that's going on, this terrible argument and fights going on. The, the difference is you don't absorb it. <laughs> You're aware of it, but you don't bring it into your consciousness and you don't hold it and you don't take it with you. You know, you were aware of it, but you didn't absorb it. See, you didn't take it in. You, know? you, can, you can respond, but... Uh, you can respond in a, in a thoughtful way. You can say some prayers for those people, for their peace. But again, you didn't imbibe that energy. It, it didn't, it, the energy didn't become part of your day. <laughs> See? So, you, you, main, you, you maintain a greater purity. Um, uh, and a purity that's guided by a profoundly noble energetic. As opposed to sort of going through the world sort of j just sort of as an open sponge you know it's a we, we don't filter it we just absorb you know can you understand why so many people are, are neurotic or they, they say I'm, I'm feeling anxious today I don't know why or I'm feeling angry today I don't know why well they're walking through the world with no filters they're just sucking in whatever is going on you know, we, we've all we walked into rooms and said, wow, what's going on here? You know, something, something's not right. And someone had just had an argument, but 
you know, you didn't see the argument, but when you walked into the room, you could feel it. Like, whoa, what happened here? You know, what's going on? See, unconsciously, you realize something really disruptive had occurred. You know, you know. So, or you see a boy and a girl, and you know there's romance going on, but you don't even know these people, but you can tell. Oh, there's a romance going on there. How do you know that? You can feel it. You know, the, the energetic of their romance is in the air. You picked it up. So we, we do this uh, unconsciously in a profound way. We pick up so much more information unconsciously than we can ever imagine. I mean, your, your subconscious is like a vault that's just infinitely expanding with information that you've been taking in um, that is having an effect on you that you have no idea. You have no idea what's, what's in your subconscious, but it's, it's all affecting you. So can you see why, you know, if you take a hundred people, if you sit with them long enough, you're gonna hear a hundred neurotic stories. You, you're very rarely gonna hear a joyful, pure story. Usually, you're going to hear, after they calm down and they can say, okay, it's okay to talk, you're going to hear the song of sorrow. You're going to hear a hundred songs of sorrow. My mother did this, my brother did this, the world did that, my job did this, you know, something's unfair. You're going to hear just a plethora of, of sad stories. Their public faces, oh, everything's going well. Please, that's not true. <laughs> it's just not true. So, once you start to understand that consciously and unconsciously, you're picking up a tremendous amount of information, totally unfiltered, it makes you think, wait a minute, do I really want to ingest all of this stuff? Do I really want this to be part of my conscious and unconscious life? And if you have a, if you have any sanity, you say, "Of course not, of course not." You know, that's why I say it's like rolling through a garbage bin or a, a city dump. You're just picking up everything. You know, the, the refuge of life is just being cast out, and you're picking it up. So, or you can, when you walk past an angry couple, you, you don't you haven't talked to them, but you can feel they're angry. Like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to stand over here, you know? I don't want to get next to them. So, so th this whole yoga thing is uh, it's a desire to make you super conscious in a positive way. Super conscious so that you can uh, make intelligent selections as to what you want to ingest. Just like you make intelligent, you know, ideas about how you dress and present yourself to the world. You, you want to make intelligent decisions on what you ingest from the world, because everything is not edible. Everything's not digestible. Everything's not good for you. you know. so, it w so it means that there's sort of principles and personal, personal ethics and personal culture that you have to decide upon. Like, what do you want to be the constitution of your personal life, the constitution of your inner life? 
right now we're sort of like living in a sort of a whatever condition. Whatever comes up, I'll deal with it. <laughs> but the world is really rough. I mean, whatever is a very big swath of stuff, you know. As opposed to saying, I'm going to focus on X, Y, and Z, and that's going to be my reality. <laughs> Just like when you go to university, you get your major and you really focus on it, and you edit out a ton of other things that are going on in the world because you're focused. Yoga is like that, but on a much, much higher order. You know, you're focused on what's going to bring you joy, what's going to bring you uh, stability, uh, what's going to bring you a sense of deep purpose. You know? And all the other stuff you just realize is stuff. You know? The problem is we get, we get like 98% involved in stuff and not involved in what's going to bring true joy, true stability, true purpose. See? I mean, if you can figure that out, like what's, going to, what's really meaningful in my life, what's going to really give myself a sense of purpose, and what's going to give myself a sense of joy, what's going to give myself you know, a sense of personal stability. Think of a, take, a, take a survey of, of your friends and say, well, do any of them feel psychologically or emotionally stable or physically stable? No. No. You know? Or any of them putting the volume of their energy into finding out what's really, really, really going to give them a sense of personal joy. We know about pleasure, so the local pubs are everywhere. You know, and the local football stadium, and, you know, that's going to give pleasure. But joy, you know, sort of a, a, a causeless, ebullient feeling. You know, where you just wake up thinking, yes, I'm ready for life. You know, you, it's a good day. You have no reason to think it's a good day, but you just wake up feeling it's a good day. I'm going for it. See? As opposed to saying, okay, I'll go to the pub and I'll have some pleasure. You know, I'll chase this girl, this boy, I'll have some pleasure. See? Come on. You're all adults now. You've all chased girls. You've all chased boys. How did it work out for you? Was it all pleasure? I don't think so. You know? So, some good, some not so good, you know. Beautiful start, disastrous ending. We're all adults. We've all had that happen. Yeah. We've all projected our illusion on a delusion, you know, see, and gotten the results. So, the whole yoga thing is to, to live sort of a joyful, stable, purposeful life. And you have to make those types of analyses. You know, what's going to bring true stability? You know, emotional, physical, mental stability. You know, what's going to bring true joy? And what's going to give a sense of, of true purpose? You know, I mean, the older you get in life, you talk to people, you know, or we go to our family gatherings, and we, we try to ask, you know, or, or we look around at the people at the table and think, you know, has anybody had a true purpose? You know, something that was really, really meaningful and was worth getting done. Most of the time, not so much. They might have had business successes. They might not have had, they might have had educational successes. But do they have a sense of like 
that was really worth doing. You know, that was really, you know, it's like if you go to some country and you land up, you know, building sanitation and digging wells and, and putting up a school. When you walk away, for the next 25, 30 years, you feel like that was worth doing. You know, that it really had meaning. You know, but we've all gotten our various jobs after working through university. And it's like, okay, I'm here, it's paying my bills, but do we have the sense of like, wow, that was really worth doing? Like, I really made a contribution? Well, that really had meaning? Or did I get a job? And it's paying okay, it's taking care of my bills, and it's, it's like, it's okay. But did it have real purpose? You know, did, did, did you make anybody's day better? You know, the, the, is there going to be a, a profound wake, a legacy of, of, of goodwill from that action? No. Most of us are doing some job and pushing papers and, you know, a week later, did it mean anything? Whether we did it or anybody else did it, did, 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 did it really mean anything? See, so everybody in our own way has to find, you know, some, something that we do in life that really had meaning. Like, when we're basically kicking the bucket, we're thinking, you know what, that was really worth doing. That really had meaning. You know, that, the, that, that energetic that I put into the world is going to outlast me you know, in a positive way. See, this is the kind of thing that we have to look for, you know. That should be our, our quest, to, to have a, a life of significant meaning. I mean, if I, even just as a person, I, I look around at my, my brothers and sisters and cousins, when they all pass away, are they going to be able to say that had significant meaning? being ruthlessly honest? No. No. They're not going to say, wow, that had significant meaning. You know? They lived, they loved, they did this, they did that. But when it comes down to being like ruthlessly honest and saying, did that really have significant meaning? You know? How many are going to say, yeah, that did? I mean, if you have one in your family, that's, you, you lucked out. <laughs> You know, most people just sort of live and they have highs, they have lows, they have lots of whatevers, but not like, wow, that had real meaning. See? We can have a so-so life. It's okay. It's, it's your life. You have that right. But wouldn't you want to die saying, wow, I, you know, I did Okay. You know, I did okay. I, I feel pretty good about that. You know, you, you want to try to struggle for that, to, that, that you have that sense that, you know, there was tough times, but you know what? I did okay. You know, it means the place is a better place, having, you having been there. You know, how many people live and die, and is the world any better? Is it a better place? Painfully, no, for, for most people. Painfully, no. It's like whether they were there or not didn't mean anything. Really, whether they were there or not didn't make that much of a difference. So, 
the, this whole yoga thing is to, is is to find fundamental elements of life that make the world a better place. You know, why does someone like, you know, say, oh, Buddha was great, Jesus was great, Krishna was great, the saints are great. Why? Because they made it a better place. You know, they, they, they had a contribution that meant something beyond their coming and going. You know, in their short period on the, on the planet, they actually made it a better place. So, if they can do it, why not you? They're human beings. You're human beings. You know, the difference is they focused on the positive, edited out all the baloney, and just kept working on it. So, how is that any different than you? As opposed to you sort of being a, a massive street streamer, just taking up everything without editing. And then, because you're sucking in everything, you became neurotic. How could you not be, become neurotic if you're a giant street sweeper? You know? How could you not be nuts? So we have to realize that, that, that we're all, you, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friends, are all functional nutcases. You gotta be real about it. <laughs> you know, you have to start with us. Doesn't mean you're not good. I'm not saying you're not good. But I'm saying you're also functional nutcases, meaning what you're doing may not have a whole lot of sanity. It may be functional in the world, but is it really sane? You know, up and down, up and down, up and down. I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. Come on. Is that, is that really working for you? You know? So it means that you have to do a profound analysis to see where you are and what's going to bring true happiness, true stability, and true purpose. You know, that's a good place to start. What's going to make me truly happy? Not pleasurable, happy. What's, go what's going to make me have a sense of emotional, physical, psychological stability? You know, and what has meaning? You know, so these are the kinds of things that you want to think about when you come into this yoga life. Um, because then, wherever you go, you're bringing something to the table all the time. The, the, the emotional and psychological stability that you have sort of radiates out. And people say, wow, I can be like that. You know? And the sense of happiness that, that you walk in the room with, you know, where you're not having to be like a vampire, like I need to get it from here, I need to get it from there, I need to get it, you know, something. you're getting it from the alcohol, you're getting it from the girl, you're getting it from your status, you know. That's like a, a walking vampire, you know, as opposed to just having a, 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 a well of joy inside of you that you're willing to share. You know, you, you walk in the room feeling good. <laughs> you know, you don't have to get it from any, any place else. So you, so you become this living well, and then this sense of uh, life purpose, that you're, you're doing something that has personal meaning. Isn't that inspiring when you run into a person like that? You know, every now and then, you know, in our school careers, we'll run into a teacher that, like, changes your life. You know, because they're on a mission. You know, and the mission wasn't about them. It was, it was about giving you maximum opportunity and, 
and an insight into the world. You know, maybe it was your Shakespeare teacher, you know, or your science teacher that, that gave you a vision of the world that you said, wow, that's fantastic. Or your English teacher that, that opened your mind to, you know, great literature and great authors and said, you said holy mackerel, I never thought about the world in this way. If you read, you know, from literature, you'll, you, get to, you, you get to see the world through other lenses of perception. Your whole world is opened up. So, as yogis, you, you sort of want to bring those types of things to the table so that you're, you're, not a, you're not living a vampirous life. You're living an altruistic life. So you see the difference? And if you, if you think quietly, with your mouth shut and your eyes open, and think of, you know, how vampirous has my life been, and how vampirous is my friends' lives, it's a reality check, you know, where you're trying to get the joy from there, 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 as opposed to finding out whether, how is joy, you know, indigenous to myself? And if I don't see it indigenous to myself, something's the matter with my vision. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not that it's not there. You know, you're a child of God like everybody else. You have, you, you have all of that energetic in you. You know, it's a question of you becoming sensitive to what's in you. See? That's why the yogis say, sit quiet, be still. All that sit quiet and be still is so that you can enter a process of discovery. <laughs> You know, because if you're not quiet and still, you're busy making noise. And in the noise, everything is effaced. Everything is hidden. You want to just see what's really going on. First, you'll see your problems, and you'll see your neurosis, and you'll see the noise. But beneath that, you'll go from level to level to level of greater and greater self-realization. You know, that... That, that you are you are actually indigenously good. You know, nobody is bad, bad, bad. You might have bad behaviors, but nobody is indigenously bad. <laughs> See? So a lot of times we'll think the behavior is me. No. The behavior is a momentary energetic. It's not you. <laughs> See? You can change the behaviors. See? But you can you have to be able to Yoga wants you to find the deepest wells within you and to discover the nature of those wells and then share that, see? As opposed to psychologically rolling through the world, you know, like a, a giant vacuum cleaner in the dump and then sharing that, <laughs> see? That's what we're doing. We're sharing the city dump, yes. Besides from just sitting still and just listening, are there other um, techniques that you recommend to find out? Well, that's more than enough if you do it properly. Oh. More than enough. Of course, are there other ways? Of course. You know, prayer, mantra, meditation, good, good works, all those things are there. Um, but without uh, honest self-analysis, when I say self-analysis, I mean analysis beyond the personality. You, you, you can be analysis of the personality, but also beyond the personality. You know, the personality is ephemeral. 
remember, you know, the, the will of today is not the will of five years ago, and it's not the will of 20 years ago. You know, personality is ephemeral. It changes, changes, changes. But there are indigenous qualities within each human being that, that are sort of the root structure that allows all the other things to be. And the yoga process really wants you to get to the fundamental roots, which is your, your primary strengths that you start out with. You know, um, the problem with education is education will often obscure or hide your primary roots. So, so that you get, you know, sort of secondary and tertiary ideas, and then you start to you start to build your life and personality based on secondary and tertiary ideas, when really they're not representative of of your true strength, of your true ability. See, you know, it, you know it's like a kid who's uh, told, "Oh, you're worthless. You're worthless. You're worthless." And finally, the kid gets out of the house and out of that influence and finds out they're a great artist. <laughs> you know, but for the first, you know, 15, 20 years of their life, they heard they were worthless. Right up until someone said, you know, kid, you got talent. <laughs> you know? It's not that the talent wasn't there. It's just that they were accepting a bunch of rubbish, you know, that wasn't representative of what they really were. It, the, the ability was there, you know? the talent, the intelligence was there. You know? So we have to find what is fundamentally there, our fundamental strengths, and, and forget what people are telling you. Because you have to remember, they're functional nutcases also. So what is there? It's, it's like listening to a drunk. You know, is their opinion really valid? I mean. You, it might be a drunk that you love. The drunk might be your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend. But they're still drunk. You know, you know are, are they paradigms of, of, of great life? No. They're up and down, up and down, up and down like everybody else. Have they done any deep, deep, deep introspection? No. So why are we taking them as the source of reality? <laughs> See? What you want to do is, is, is find the, the happiest, the most stable, the most productive beings, and then take them as your, as your platform of, of what is true and what's not true. You know? I mean, that's what I did as a kid. I, I, as a kid, I don't know where I got this idea, but I remember getting this idea. You know, who, who has had the most um, positive, stable, long-lasting effects in the world? The, I, was, I was like, not, not even a teenager, it was like pre-teen, I was thinking that question. You know, who has had the most positive, long-lasting uh, effect, you know, in the, in the world? So what my mother, my brother, my sister and friend, that, that became moot immediately. <laughs> because I didn't see any long-term, great, you know, any wisdom coming out of them. They were just, they were just human beings living their up and down lives. But the Jesus and the Buddhas and the Krishnas and the saints, you know, I saw that they had a positive, long-term effect. You know, that that was it, that was uplifting. It, so I thought, okay, you know, let me look into the, these guys because they became models of successful life. You know. I'm not saying they didn't have infinite struggles because they do. You're not you're not immune from the world you live in. You're in the world that you live in. 
So the world is tough. It's up and down. But despite the ups and downs in the world, they had you know, a profound, positive, long-term effect in the world. See? So that's what you should pay attention to. You know, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, if they're up and down just like you, why are you listening to them? You know, are they a model of success? No, no. they could be a model of happy mundaneness or disastrous mundaneness. But, you know, are they a model of, you know, long-term, joyful, positive success in the world? You know, where their living made a difference. You know, their ideas made a difference. Their actions made a difference. So that's why it's not to put anyone down, but it's to be very discriminating as to what you absorb and, and whom you pay attention to, you know. So hence the great saints and the great masters and the, uh, the, the great liberators of the human spirit is who you should try to pay as much attention to as possible. You know, you ask yourself the question, you know, who has liberated the human spirit for it to be fully what it is? You know, that's who you should be paying attention to. You know, and, and that has nothing to do with culture. It's transcultural. You know, you can learn a lot from Confucius. See, you can learn a lot from Buddha. You know, you can learn a lot from St. Francis. It doesn't, who cares about the culture, you know? It, it, look, look at the heart and the wisdom of their heart. You know, that's what's important, not their race or the, their geography or, or the era that they lived in. What difference does that make? But was there some liberating wisdom of the heart? You know, find those people, both men and women. Like if, when I say liberated wisdom of the heart, that doesn't have anything to do with gender. See? There's as many wise women as wise men. We all hear about wise men. Why is that? Because men control the printing press. That's, that's the only reason why we hear about more men than women. But there's, you know, there's, sanctification goes across the spectrum. You know, there's, there's not more or less. There's as many women as there are men. With, with, you know, liberated, sanctified hearts. So, you know, as, as young people in particular, that, that should be your, your quest for meaning. See? And sometimes it's hard to find it in yourself. So, okay, look out there and hunt for the great saints and the great humanitarians and people who have done something great. And in discovering it there, you'll start to discover it there, here. See? Sometimes you're like really lucky and you find it right here real fast. You just lucked out. That was great. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if you can't find it here, look for it there because that will be like your early mirror. See, it, it becomes a template that's easily visible for what's hidden inside here. You wouldn't have recognized it there if you, if you didn't have a seat of it here. See, you, you wouldn't have been able to see it. But if you can see it there, it's hidden here. That just becomes a visible template for you to be self-manifesting, see? So th those principles are something important. You know, 
real joy, real stability, real purpose. You know, that, that sort of becomes your homework. You know, what will bring me true joy, true stability, you know, true purpose. Right, right. The moment you say that to yourself, you are on the yogic path. Because you're, you're asking questions of meaning. You know, you, you're, not, you're not living a superficial, frivolous life anymore. You're, you're, you're basically saying what's going on and what has meaning and how can I participate in meaning? As opposed to, like, how can I participate in stuff? You know, think about how much energy we put into our basketball games and our football games and, you know, our team sports. Nothing wrong with it, but it's a bunch of stuff. You know, it, 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 it's, it doesn't have meaning that actually changes a person's life to where it, that, that, that has a substantive. It, it, it's like the, the popcorn of life. Very tasty, but not that much substance. You can eat as much as you want, no problem. But realize, you're not going to get a whole lot of nutrition out of it. <laughs> you know? So, you don't want to, to, to live a, a popcorn life. You know, I, got, I have a whole series of, of brothers and sisters, and I love them all, all good people. But if I really look hard and say, you know, are they generating a true life of meaning? Not really. Not really. They all have their personal lives, and they've all had their homes and their jobs and their ups and their downs. It's sort of just like a plotting okay. You know, are they, are they going to die with jubilant hearts? No, absolutely not. They are absolutely not. Then it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to die with a jubilant heart. You know? But that's your choice. You know, can you die with a jubilant yes? Or you die with a, oh, so hum, whatever. You know, I'm terrified of going. Which is, me as a priest, I see a lot of people who are dying. I get called in all the time for that. So I, I personally know how people die. And it's not with a jubilant heart. It's not with a sense of yes. You know, it, it was meaningful. It was, it was worth the ride. You, know, you, you almost never hear that. <laughs> you, you hear a lot of fear and a lot of regret and all. You know. Is that how you want to go? You know? yeah, as opposed to a person who has lived in a, a, a life of fantastic art and and made the world a better place because the, the music they sung or the poetry they created or the engineering that they built that actually changed people's life. You know, I built a better pump, you know, and it's, it's, that pump is bringing up water and, and serving people and not breaking down. And I mean, if you built a better motor, that's something. It's helping a lot of people and you feel good about it or you put poetry into the world that... that that turn people's hearts, you know, I mean, you know, that's sort of dying with a yes. Yes, it had meaning, you see, as opposed to, I, I have, you know, some very successful brothers and sisters and some just regular 
people and they have their jobs and have their homes. But will any of them die with a sense of yes? My analysis is no, they won't. They'll die just like a regular common human being, you know, which is not that great a situation. A lot of fear, a lot of regret, and a lot of, oh my God, I'm afraid. Think long term, you know. Think about meaning. Meaning. You know, if, if you're just flipping burgers all your life, you can flip burgers and still have meaning. Uh, or you can flip burgers all your life and have no meaning. You know, did you smile? Did you say a kind word? What energy did you put into it? You know, did you bring joy to people around you? You know, did you do the best job you could do? You know, bring meaning to it, whatever you're doing. You know, bring some awareness to it. So th these are the kinds of uh, ideas that the, the yogis uh, want you to think about, not just to sort of accept the world as, it, as you sort of plod through it, but to, to try, try to squeeze the juice and the joy out of it and to, and to share that, you know. You know, having the best pizza pie in the world that you eat by yourself Come on, think about it. Is that any joy when you're when you're eating it by yourself as opposed to sharing it? You know, does a you know like does a mother cook just for herself? Or does she get joy in sharing what she cooked? That's where the joy came. You know, she acquired a craft that she could give joy through the food. See? So as as young people, we, we want to be able to think about those things, you know. How can, how can I be a, a generator of joy? How can I find joy and then be a generator of joy? See? Because what good is joy just for you? That's like being a great chef and not serving anybody. <laughs> what, are you going to live in a closet? <laughs> you know, it's ri ridiculous. The, the joy comes as when, when, when you put it out there for everybody to, to, en to enliven their lives and lift them up. So... The, the, the Dharma teachers are just reality checks. You know, our, our job is to, to, to just to try to get you to think about things that are significant as opposed to things that are frivolous. There's nothing a matter with the frivolous as long as that's not the substance of your diet. You know, you can eat ice cream, no problem. Just don't make it your entire diet. See? It's not going to help you. You know? So, we just want things that have meaning to be present persistently in your life as opposed to just sort of living a, a frivolous whatever life. See? That's what we're here to do, just to remind you of meaning and of, of joy and what true stability is. What is true physical stability? What is true emotional stability? What is true mental st stability? See? If the Dharma teachers don't put it out there, you don't really think about it. You're just sort of getting on with your life, but you're you're not you're not saying you know what brings true a true sense of physical well-being. What brings that about? You know, eating lots of popcorn is not going to make it. <laughs> you know, it might be tasty, but it's, it's structurally a disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
you know. What brings emotional stability? What brings mental stability? You know, if you don't, if you don't ask the questions, you don't solve the questions. It, it comes back to that whatever life. So it's like whatever's happening, that's what's happening, and that's what it is. And is that really what you want to do? That you, that you live 40, 50, 60 years, and at the end of your life you say whatever, as opposed to meaning, you know? You know, you got to find the poet in you. You got to find the musician in you. You got to find the dancer in you. You got to find the scientist in you. You know, you got to find the humanitarian in you. You know, that's what you got to do. All that stuff is in you. You know, so the yogi, the yoga teachers are, are, are just a sort of repositories of methods. You know, and persistent reminders. To, to stay focused on what's really nutritive and what's really important, you know. Mm. You know, even, even simple things, you know, like saying, okay, I want you to keep a diary. And in your diary, I want you to, every single day, write, write in your observation of life three beautiful events. Don't you think... If you start focusing on three beautiful events every day in life, that that's going to affect your character, that that's going to affect how you see the world. Think about it. When was the last time you stopped and said, "I'm going to I'm going to really focus on what's really beautiful in life," or just like running around in in your frenetic way? See, but if you've ever spent time with poets, they have a very different way of looking at the world. They have a very unique, interesting way of perceiving the world. You, know? you have to sort of get with that, you know, and, and say, you know, every day I'm going to look for three things that are beautiful in the world, and that's going to be part of my lifestyle. And not only that, I'm going to document it. <laughs> see? Can, can you see how your focus comes from whatever to something beautiful in the world? You know, have you ever talked to a very depressive person and asked them when was the last time you saw something beautiful in the world? They can't remember the last time they saw something beautiful in the world. See, can you, can you understand the nature of their depression? It's because they've been focusing on something profoundly dark. It's not that the light didn't exist. It's, it's not like they didn't pass by the trees and the flowers and the bouquets. But because they didn't focus on it, they didn't see it. See, and if they didn't see it, it's no longer in their world. If it's not all in their world, it's not uplifting them. So you have a, a negative concentration, a negative focus. Something that simple by saying, I'm just going to do a 40-day practice. And for 40 days in my diary, I'm going to write down three beautiful things I've, I've witnessed. You know, whether it's emotional, psychological, physical... It could be a scent or a vision, something you've seen or something you heard. You know, can, can you see how that can start to alter your perception? That's, you know, what you focus on, that's the, that's the world you live in. You know, you focus on mayhem and violence, well, your life is mayhem and violence. You know, how's that working for you? <laughs> you know, that's why, you know, the, the saints say pray every day. Why? Because it, it focuses your mind on sanctity. 
You know, and you can link sanctity to sanity. <laughs> so it's it's these types of activities that that um, if you bring them into your life as a stable component part of your lifestyle they add to you you're no longer living a, a whatever life you know we all shower every day you don't choose to get dirty but we all all the bodies if it's not washed become unpleasant that's life that's nature so we wash what about our minds? Uh, we're not doing things. We, we wash every day. We cleanse our bowels every day. We shower every day. So this, this physical rubbish, don't you think there's as much psychic rubbish in the world that we're absorbing? It's not like you, you want to roll in a dirty psychological pit, but the world's a bit of a mess, and there's a lot of rubbish that's out there. We're not washing our minds and we're not washing our hearts. You know, we're, we're not focusing on very positive things that repulse the very negative things. We're sort of just absorbing. And then we wonder why we have depression, why we have problems, and why we, you know, you know, all of a sudden say something unpleasant to a person when we really didn't mean it. See? It's, it's all this reactionary junk that's in us that's just irritating the heck out of us. So we have to wash, just like you physically wash and you cleanse your bowels and your bladder. You have to wash your heart. You have to wash your mind. You know, if, if the heart is not focusing on things of beauty, what's happening to the heart? Isn't it getting encapsulated by just the rubbish of the world? Because it's not being activated, it's not being stimulated. You know, if, you know, if you, if you don't talk to a child and give the child language, will the child have language? No. You know, they'll become an adult and they'll be grunting. You know, you gave language to the child. What about your heart? The heart has a nature. Are you feeding the nature of the heart? Are you feeding it? Or are you just neglecting it? So then the heart just is grunting, you know, like some creature. See? as opposed to feeding it what's appropriate. See? Every now and then we've all met just wonderful people. You know, we're just like, wow, where'd they come from? You know, what planet do they come from? They're just like, wonderful. Well, what are they doing? You know, you all of a sudden feel their heart. You know, they've been doing something in their lifestyle that is constantly feeding their heart. And you feel like, wow, I have no idea why that person is so nice and they're treating me with such decency and kindness. Like, I don't even know them and they're treating me well. You know, isn't that something in their heart? You know, something about them? They've obviously been feeding their heart. So they're, they're, they're sort of sharing the jubilance of their heart with who's ever around. You know? We do the same thing with with uh, our minds, you know what what we ingest. You know, if I want to know a lot about a person really quick, when I walk into their house, first I just take a scan of the room. What's the nature of their room? The type, of, you know, is is it 
Like I walked into a lady's house one time, and all of her furniture is covered with plastic, you know, and the and the rugs are white, and the the, the house was so sterile that you wondered is, is a human being living here, you know? Everything is in perfect place, you know. There's no human being there, you know. I mean, you know, she she could have gotten the photos off of Walmart or something, you know. That she had up on the walls. It's like Jesus Christ. Where's the human being? Or you walk into a house and there's art and there's books and you know, the, you know this. You can see a sort of a creative flow going on in the house. And I'll go to the bookshelf and see, because the bookshelf always tells you what people really are into. <laughs> you know, you know. If you just see all the love novels, say okay, that's what, that's what it is. You know, you know, or philosophy or art, or whatever. You can say, okay, this person is more multidimensional. You know? So you have to look at these things as mirrors. You know, go home and just take an, an just stop at your door and do it an, an honest analysis of the room in front of you. Because that room in front of you is all about who you are consciously and unconsciously. You know, I mean, that's all the elements that you have quietly, consciously, and <laughs> unconsciously collected. And think of it as just like, okay, this is not mine. I'm just going to see, you know, what is this room? If I had to do a psychological analysis, what is, who is this person? Just do that, you know. And th how much meaning does this have? Or is it fun stuff, frivolous stuff, how much meaning stuff, you know? Do an honest assessment, because your room is going to show it. That's that's an unconscious face. It's your unconscious face. See, it's what has meaning to you. Now you can say, okay, this has meaning to me, but does how much substance does it have? See, you know how much how much real meaning does it have? How much stability in the world does it bring? How how much joy does it represent? See. You, every the room, the person's room, is their subconscious mind. It's their subconscious mind. You know, like that lady I walked into her house. She was like totally neurotic because she wanted everything perfect, but there was no. I mean, even if you brought a bouquet in that house, it would have died, because there was no life there. You know, it would have sucked the energy right out of it. <laughs> you know. I'm not saying she wasn't a good person. She's an interesting person. But there was no life in her house. You know? Nobody was living there. Yeah. So in that example, when you said you just should wait for someone just to, you know, get sober, and I'm guessing that she wasn't really aware that her own house was that sterile, right? Exactly. She so, was not aware. So what did you do? Did you just wait or did you just... Um, well, no. I, I leave an open door policy of, you know, join me in this activity. Join me in that activity. I'm definitely not going to join her in her activity. She, you know, her life was a, a life of st sterility and wanting everything to be perfect and being neurotic about that. You know, you know I'm going to jump into the messy joy of life. Life is messy, but you can you can have a whole thread of joy in it. So if she wants to join me in my life, fine. Am I going to get into her life? No, not going to happen. So if they want to join me, fine. Me joining them, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So you, you you just open you leave doors open for people. 
you know, and either the, you have to respect the sovereignty of their life. Either they come through the door or they don't, you know. But you create opportunities for people, and that's it, you know. Like once a drunk is is fed up with being a drunk, then he walks through new doors. But as long as he's enjoying being a drunk, he's not coming along. He wants to pull you into his world. You know, let's go to the tavern. You know, let's go drink. You know, let's share a bottle. You know, he, they'll want you in their world, and you, you have to just say, "No, I'm not about that." You know, so you create opportunities for people, but you also have to respect their sovereignty. If they're going to jump off the cliff, they're going to jump off the cliff. Just don't go with them. See? You know, you can say, uh, "You know, this is what I'm doing." If you want to come along, great. If not, I'm good with that also. So. Let people live their lives, you know. Sometimes a person has to have a certain amount of disasters to, to figure out that that's not working for them, you know. So that's what we do. We, we create opportunities, you know. We don't force anybody to do anything. Uh, sometimes if they're in a semi-sober mood, you know, we can say semi-sober things to them to say, you know, is it really working for you? You don't look really happy. You know, is that, you know, do, do you want happiness or do you want what you got? What you got doesn't seem to be working. See? So, but people grow and learn and move when they choose to do it. So you have to choose, like to be a yogi, you have to choose to be a yogi. To, to be happy, you have to choose to be happy. To be stable, you have to choose to be stable. To have meaning and purpose in life, you must choose meaning and purpose. See? And that's why I talk about the whatever life and then the self-determined life. You see? I choose to, to, to pay attention to life in such a way that I can see three things of beauty every day. See? And it doesn't have to be beauty to anybody else. It just have to be beauty to me. You know, it could be... A, a beautiful car or a beautiful cloud or or at one time I was talking to my neighbor <clears throat> across the street and it was autumn and there's some leaves that just happened to, to drop down to the earth and he made the most wonderful poetic statement about these leaves dropping down it really impressed me and it really touched me and from that moment on I thought completely different about him you know that that he had the sort of the, the sensitivity, the, to, to, just to be able to see the elegance of these leaves dropping. And, and just to make this unbelievably beautiful poetic statement about it, you know, in the moment. And it, it completely changed my relationship with that man immediately. Because what he said was just absolutely beautiful. And I had to observe the same phenomena that he observed, you know. <clears throat> he chose to see something beautiful. He was open to see something beautiful. See? Another person with ah, oh, some leaves falling. In the, uh, I gotta rake the grass now. Uh, you know, it'd be a headache. But he sure he saw the elegance of how the, it, the the leaves dropped to the earth and how beautiful it was. It was and it was beautiful. It was elegant, and he caught the moment. You know, so that's what we want from you, is for you to say, I want to, to focus on the beauty in the world. It doesn't mean that I, I'm not aware of the. the the rubbish in the world. You're aware of it, but you want to see it in context also. The beauty is there. 
you know. The sun is shining every day, even though there's mischief going on, there's joy going on, but what do you focus on? See? So it's, it's things like that that we want. We, we want to uh, get you to think about it. So that you have a purposeful life, a meaningful life. You, you, you want to die with a yes. You know? You want to, you, you want to die with a sense of yes. This, this ride was worth it. You know? I, I did something that had meaning. I mean, if we all look at our parents, just we may all love them, but if, if, we, if we think about their deaths, well, are they going to say, are they going to really die with like, wow, this had meaning, or are their death going to be this like terribly sad event, you know, like oh Jesus, who wants to go out like that, you know, just think about it, you know. You, you want to die with a positive in your heart and, and, and remembering beauty and seeing beauty and moving towards beauty. You know? We should choose a conscious death. We don't want to tumble into our death and tumble through our sorrows. You know, we want to magnify the joys, magnify the beauty, and enter into a joyous and a beautiful death. You know, we're all heading that on that road. You know, we're all in line. Thoughts, ideas, questions? This was supposed to be a question and answer <coughs> day. <laughs> you know? You give us both questions and answers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I just want to give you the opportunity, you know, to, to, to help sort out meaning in your life. You know? You know, all kinds of stuff is going to happen to us in this world. But at the end of the day, you are the architect of your life. You know, all kinds of stuff, good things, bad things, you know, reverent things, irreverent things, everything's going to come at you, just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, you are responsible and you are the architect of who you are. 100%. Forget, oh, they did this to me, or they did that to me. Forget all that. Forget all that. You know, you choose how you respond to this world. You choose what you focus on in this world. You choose what you engage in in this world. You choose the things that are fundamental to life, you choose. There's a whole bunch of infinite stuff happening to you and everybody else. So you're no different than anybody else. You're going to get slapped just like everybody else is going to get slapped. Nobody passes through this world without insult. Nobody. So just realize everyone's getting uniformly slapped. But what do you choose to make out of it? <laughs> See? You choose your investment. Where you put your investment in life. Do you invest in the slap that you got 30 years ago? Or you do invest in the joy that you're constantly generating and focusing on? See? You know, there's, a, there's an old story about uh, two men, that, that, uh, two brothers that survived uh, the, the death camps, a camp like Auschwitz in Germany. And one came out really bitter, and the other came out really jubilant. And the, 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 when asked in interviewing these two brothers, one brother, once one, we were, they were asking, you know, you're so angry, you're so bitter. 
And the fellow said, if you've gone through what I've gone through, how can you not be angry? How can you not be bitter? Oh, okay, I'll say. And then they asked the other brother, you know, how come you're happy? How come you're jubilant? And he said, if you've been through what I've been through and seen all the things that I've seen and survived, how could you not be happy? <laughs> they both went through the same experience. One came out bitter, one came out jubilant. They both survived, but one was looking to the past of the darkness, and one thinks, hey, I went through hell and I'm still here and I'm survived. I, I have a life in front of me. See? It, they went through the same thing, but they made different psychological investments. See? One invested in the sorrow of the past, one invested in the, the joy of the possible future. See? They came out of the same pit. You know, one saw the, the past and one saw the future. One invested in the past, one invested in the future. See, that's our situation. We're all going to get slapped. We're all going to be thrown in the pit. But what are you going to invest in? Are you going to invest in the past? Or are you going to invest in the joyful possibility of the future? See? Who made the decision? See? That's why I say you're the architect. You're the architect. It's on you. You know, what you invest in. One brother invested in the, the sorrow of the past. The other brother invested in the joy and possibility of the future. And they have totally different realities coming out of the same pit. <laughs> See? So this is, this is the thing. So you're around yogis because our job is to say, invest in the positive. You know, realize that there is infinite possibility in front of you. It's up to you to choose, you know. You, know, you, you could be in some, you know, podokan backwater town that nothing ever happens, and you can choose to be depressed, or you can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to put in a garden. <laughs> See? Everybody else had the, I could, could, could have done the same thing, but you're the only person that's creating beauty. And the rest of them are just sort of get along, get along, and depressed, no possibility, and you decide to put in a garden. Immediately, you, you, you've created a patch of joy in the world. And what are they doing? See? It's your choice. It's your choice. See? One forgot their heart. One remembered their heart. It's your choice. So it, it's something as, as simple as like, okay, for 40 days, I'm going to try to see three things that are beautiful in life. For 40 days, and I'm going to write it down. See? Because at that point, you're writing down your future. You know, you're, you're creating your future as to what you focus on. See? Just like the two brothers. You know, one focused on the joyous possibility of the future, and one joy focused on the sorrow of the past. Came out of the same pit. So, isn't that our story? You know, where you put your mind, where you put your energy. So this is, you know, no matter what your circumstances, you know, you can always focus on something positive. You can always listen to beautiful music, listen to beautiful poetry, you know, engage in beautiful dance, engage in beautiful theater, you know. It's, it's you. It's all about you. 
you know, where you put your heart, where you put your mind, where you put your energy, you know. Forget all your victimhood. Hari Charan's going to tell you right now, anybody who's calling themselves a victim, it's all rubbish. I don't care what happened to you. It's all, it's all a bunch of crap. You know, it, it's, it's a depressing, negative point of view. Get over it. Get over it. You know, who, who hasn't had bad things happen? Just, just go and do a survey of people's lives. Who hasn't had bad things happen? But you can't say that the world is bad. It's just that's part of the world, you know. They're angels and they're dragons. What do you focus on? What do you focus on? You know? Life is life. But what do you focus on? What do you generate? What side do you want to stand on? See? You want to stand with the dragons? You want to stand with the angels? Choose. You know? The dragons aren't going anywhere. The angels aren't going anywhere. It's just where do you stand? They're both going to be there. But where do you stand? See? I don't believe in any kind of victimhood. Get on with it. You know, build. Build. Find the beauty and build. That's part of the yoga message. <laughs> any thoughts? <laughs> I think I've tapped myself out here. No questions, please? Anybody have any technical questions about this path of yoga? Yes, sir. Um, how would you describe the process of meditation? So when I was doing it, and I was like, oftentimes there's a lot of voice inside me. I have a hard time trying to filter out you know, what to listen to and try to put my attention on certain things. So I just want to see how you well, describe it. Well, the very most important thing is to find a really good teacher. Because there's no such thing as just teaching yourself meditation. It is such a profoundly sophisticated, it's utter simple, but it's utterly sophisticated also. And with it, without a, a proper teacher to keep you on track, 99.9% of the time you're not going to stay on track. You know, because we, we're creatures of habits, and our habits are not cultured. <coughs> and meditation is the most cultured of phenomena, most cultured of actions that you can can acquire. Um, you know, in, in meditation, you have to learn how to be perfectly comfortable with the simple. You have to learn how to be perfectly accepting of the nature of phenomena. You, can, you have to be accepting. Most of the time, we're like, I like it, I don't like it. I like it, I, we're, we're always in that uh, you know, dichotomy of this or that, this or that. In meditation, you have to become neutral to those things. Uh, whether you like it or not like it, you, you're present, but you're not invested. Can you think of any feeling or any sensation or any thought that you're not invested in? You're invested in all your feelings, all your thoughts. You're invested one way or the other. And then some yogi dude comes along and says, don't be invested? Come on. That takes a little time. <laughs> you know, you know and, and the teacher has to tell you 10,000 times, get over yourself, don't get invested. You know, cool out, be still. <laughs> See? Because we don't have the habit of, 
of being still. We have the habit of being invested and being engaged and being active. And the, the teacher is teaching you a whole other body of skills. You know, how to be infinitely patient. You know, how to be infinitely composed. How to be infinitely aware. How to be infinitely undistracted. <laughs> See? Can you understand why it takes time? You know, to, be, to be really happy with the simple. Like if I gave you like simple milk every day, you'd be fed up with that in a week. You know, you want to put this in it and that in it. You want to make a milkshake. You, you, know, you want to do something with it. You know, human beings are by nature creative. We always want to take it, manipulate it, change it up. That's, that's human nature. That's human nature. There's a nature beyond human nature. Human nature is limited. That's still a box. You know, it's like the difference between what are you doing and what is God doing. You're all about what you're doing. See? Even when you look at other people's business, it's about your opinion of their business. So it's a, again, it's about you. In, the, in meditation, it's not about you. See? In, in meditation, <clears throat> you're learning to become a witness to the physics of God. See? You're not, you're not becoming a witness. In the beginning, you're a witness to your own, your own illusions, delusions, ideas, notions, all that stuff. So, in the beginning, you're just like seeing a bunch of you. But you're not the universe. See? And you want to get beyond that. So, in this, like, learning how to be simple and learning how to be still, you have to pass through the realm of you, okay? And then you get to the realm of greater natural phenomena, and then you get to the world of greater, greater phenomena, see? You're moving closer and closer to things as they are, not things as you perceive them, see? There's a huge distance between things as you perceive them and things as they are, see? Things as you perceive them is tainted by your history, by your ability, by your perception, by your proclivities, see? There's all tens of thousands of filters you put between what is and what you perceive. It's all your filters. And the yoga process is to learn how to drop all the filters, to see things as they are, see? Not as based on your proclivities and your, or your abilities, see? So you need a teacher on top of you, man. <laughs> get, get over yourself. We're saying it, get over yourself in a loving way. It's not a mean way. But we're saying all, all the stuff that's about you is a filter. And as long as you're applying that filter, you're not seeing things as they are. And if you're not seeing things as they are, can you really apply correct action, all your actions are going to be biased. Everything you do is biased. And we're trying to get you to a place where you're perfectly natural, see, in an unbiased condition, see? Now, where can you see unbiased conditions? You have to look to the great masters. You have to look to what is the nature of a Buddha? What is the nature of a Jesus Christ, see? they're showing you the most natural and highest human condition. See? 
which is various forms of manifestations of love. We can't say that we're doing that. We're all kinds of this kind of corrupt, that kind of corrupt. You know, not bad, but we got our, we got our own spin, our own twist on everything, everything, as opposed to a, a pure heart. See, we're trying to get you to a point of a pure heart, of a pure consciousness, meaning an unbiased heart, an unbiased consciousness, an unbiased action. See. That takes a little work. See, matter of fact, it takes many, many births of work. Where you, where you can be simple and joyful. As opposed to saying, this is so simple, it's boring. See? If things get too simple, we think it's boring. Either go to sleep or get some action going. As opposed to being simple and joyful. Simple and clear. Simple and unbiased. See? What takes time in meditation is to get rid of all your bias. You know, we've got an opinion about everything. If you've got 10,000 thoughts, you've got 10,000 opinions. That's the problem. Because every one of those opinions is separating you from a greater reality. You from a greater truth. You from a greater clarity. So meditation is, is coming to, to a place of perfect peace, perfect clarity. See? So if you think about yourself where you are, don't you realize you have an opinion about everything you see? Everything you experience, you have an opinion about it. I like it, I don't like it. See? As opposed to a, a neutral perception of just, it is as it is. To see it as it is, without a bias. And then to understand the nature of as it is. See? We can't see the nature of things as they are because of our bias. So how much of life do we really perceive? What we perceive is a reflection of our own emotional and thought patterns. We don't see things as they are. You know, that's why you have a, a friend and 10 of your other friends knows that one person. But each person has a different opinion of that person. Each one of them sees them differently. Why? They're all seeing them through their history, through their own personal experience, then the same person is standing there and all 10 people are seeing them differently. All 10 people have different histories. All 10 people have different fears, different likes, different bias. So no one sees that one person the same. See? That's our situation. And the yogi is trying to get you to see the world as it is, not to see the world as you prefer it to be or that you're afraid of it being. See? Yeah. If you can take your love and your fear out of the equation, how's the world? <laughs> See? Remove your fear and your love, your, your predilections of liking things. Remove those two qualities. Now, now take a look at the world. What's really going on there? What's really present? See? That's, that's why it takes time. That's why you have to get next to a yogi. <laughs> because their life pattern it's about the des desire to see things as they are. Not as I want them to be, or that I fear they may be, but as they are. See? So, it takes that kind of association. It, it's, it's, it is one of the most profound trainings you'll ever take in your lifetime. And you will not complete it in a lifetime. It's an ongoing process. See?
Now I answered that question. I, I took a yeah. shot at least. <laughs> Meditation's not easy. But there are other practices that help make it easy. Because there's, there's a lot of baloney and rubbish in our minds. Like doing mantra japa, uh, sacred utterance. That clears up a bunch of baloney. You know, a lot of the fears and a lot of the prejudices that we have gets washed out of the system, you know, through mantra. And through intelligent application of prayer, <clears throat> a lot of the rubbish attitudes we have get washed out of the system. So it's, it's like clearing the decks. You know, you, you get a, a deeper vision of, of the world. So it takes a, a long time, you know, with, with souls who, who have made it that their, their mission in life to uh, work on these processes. And then you just sort of get on board and start learning. See? And it's not a one-lifetime deal. It's like, I tell you, okay, why don't you become a Jesus in this lifetime? You're going to look at me and say, well, good luck with that. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, Jesus is the process of many births of evolution, or a Buddha, or any great master. You know, they didn't come a, come a master. You know, it's like saying, you know, I, I want you to become a nuclear physicist in a day. Well, good luck with that. You know, is that going to happen? Is that realistic? That's not realistic. You know, you don't become a Jesus in a day or a Buddha in a day. It's not realistic. You know, it's a long process <coughs> of inquiry and self-purification. See? So the Dharma teachers are, are people who are like a little bit like living libraries uh, of, of teachings and processes. And they impart that information uh, to you specifically, <coughs> to where you are. Because where you are is not where he is, and where he is is not where she is. Everybody's in a, standing in a different place. So the Dharma teacher's specialty is being able to assess where a person is standing and then give them their next step. See? Not an easy job. <laughs> not, not, not an easy job at all. You know, to speak to you and to speak to him and to speak to her individually you know, and to give you what's appropriate, the recipe that's appropriate for you now. See? So that's... So the thing is correct, correct study correct association, correct action. You know, find the right things to study, find the right people to be around, and to find some noble action to engage in. And then, then you'll, you'll, you'll come along. But it's, it's a bit-by-bit bit process. And truthfully, when most people tell me that they're meditating, it's just, just not true. They, they, it's not that they're being dishonest. It means that they don't understand the science enough to, to understand the definition of meditation. So they're doing something, you know, but they're not meditating from a classical point of view. They, be, they may be ruminating. They may be trying to get quiet. You know, they may be doing something, whatever they're doing. They're doing something, but they're not technically meditating. And that's most of what I see going on. And even when people are sitting like this and saying they're meditating, bull crap, nonsense. You know, half the guys in the room are doing this so the girl next door sees them doing this. So, you know, come on, man. They're, they're, they're dreaming about the girl next door while they're doing this. You know? So, their motivation is not about meditation. You know, it's about hooking up. 
So just being real, ladies. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, guys are guys. The girls are doing the same nonsense. Oh, well, he noticed me. I'm really perky. You know, <laughs> you know girls are doing the same nonsense. Yeah. And what you see is a lifestyle. Yes. To be, to be doing meditation. Yeah, it's got to be part of your day. Just like it's part of your lifestyle, consciously or unconsciously. Take a shower. You know, take a shower. You, that's part of your lifestyle. You know, same thing with meditation. Part of our lifestyle is to learn how to be still, learn how to be silent, learn how to exercise an unbiased state of mind. It has to become part of a lifestyle. We have to realize we're way, way biased. Now, what happens? Well, and, and, and we're going to stay biased unless we do some kind of counterforce. See? So we're not in balance if all of our life is biased, biased, biased. We're not in balance. You know? So let's say what happens when we can try to exercise some unbalanced consciousness. Don't you think we're going to see the world a little bit better? See? So you want balance. It's okay to have your, your predilections and desires. It's, that's okay. That's just life. But don't think that that's all of life. Don't think that that's full life. Don't think that that's pure clarity of life. It's not. See, it's just a slice of whatever in life. It's not life. See? Ideas, ladies? <laughs> it's, it's who you get next to. Whoever you get next to, it rubs off. Hang out with dancers, you become rhythmic. You know, hang out with artists, you, your vision improves. You know, hang out with you know literary people, your thought process improves. You know, hang out with yogis, your sanctity improves. Your 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 insight into the nature of life improves by hanging out with people like that because that's what they're about. They're about true vision, not my vision. True vision. See. Regular human beings is like my way, my vision, my life. Yogi's not like that. You know, yogi wants is much more separated. They want to say what is life, what is true vision, not what my vision. What is true vision? See what's really going on, not what do I think is going on. What is really going on? See, see the difference. We're invested in what we think, what we want, what we like. The yogi is not invested in that. The yogi is invested in what is life, you know, what is going on, what is truth, not my truth. What is truth, not my truth. Truth. See, it's a different place to stand. So, you only get like that if you if you're around people like that, you know, because the average person is about their life, their vision their feelings. You know, the yogi's not about that. See? You know, you know, they're about what is the nature of the heart? What is the nature of the mind? See? What is the nature of reality? See? They want to see things as it is in, in the most unbiased way that they're capable of. And, there, and meditation is a sacred technology to, to remove bias. See, it removes bias. And then when that is slowly, slowly removed, you, you're, you're, 
your understanding of life and reality is profoundly different. See, it's no, no longer, you are no longer the reference point. Your, your history, your life is not the reference point as to how things are. See? But if we look as human beings, we're always the primary reference point. How I feel about this, how I think about this, how I experience this. You're, you, you're the principal reference point. And, and, and your reference point is totally different than the person next to you. And you have 10,000 people of 10,000 different... How, so, of course, there's chaos. I just reflect on one thing you said earlier. Mm. <clears throat> and that is that in you being the reference point, you're also blind to that because that's the habit. Exactly. So you say, this is the world, and you might even point to somebody who's meditating, and saying, you're selfish, you're thinking only about yourself. Mm. So self puts through your two understandings or two two ways. Yeah. And so yes, you are a habit. That's where Yeah. That's the beginning of what we we're talking about. We're in a box. We're in a box of our habits. And we're not even we're not even self reflective enough to know that we're in a box created by our habits. You know, our and those habits are our limitations and our perceptions. You know, we think we think that that's real, that that's reality. It's not. It's a profoundly relative reality. It's your, your personal box, you know? And all the human beings are just boxes. And the yoga process is to get out of the box. See, what's going on beyond what I think, what I feel, what I perceive, beyond my opinion, see? Basically, what am I thinking? What is God thinking? In a very fundamental, simple way, you know, the difference between the mind of man and the mind of God, see, in a very, you know, simple way of saying it. So, that yoga allows you, meditation, to get back to your thought, allows you to see things through the mind of God and through the heart of God, as opposed to the, the mind of man and the heart of man, see. So that's why it's the greatest quest. It's the greatest quest. The word yoga itself is to, it means to join the finite to the infinite. See, right now we're a little bitty finite, and this, the infinite exists. It joins those two things. It, it yokes together the finite to the infinite. See, right now we're finite, you know, and we are. We are like micro-creators. We create our feelings, our thoughts, our perceptions. We're like micro-creators. And then there's the grand creator that made all of this, see? So the, the yoga process is to see what the grand creation is, not what our personal micro-creation is, see? We're very invested in our, in our micro-creation, but that doesn't represent reality. It represents our personal creation, see? So, real yoga is, is really the greatest, uh, the greatest task and undertaking you can take in life. You know, all the arts and all the disciplines are in, are, are in the yoga process. Whether it's engineering or it's biochemistry or it's physics or it's manual labor, all of those things are in the yoga science. It's, it's the spirit in all those things, see? All those things are outer manifestations. Yoga is the inner thread 
that binds all of it together. <laughs> See? Any questions, thoughts? <laughs> I should probably stop now, huh? Yeah? Okay. I'll just leave it open. Is there any final questions before we, before we close? I, I hope I've been useful today. You know, said something useful. Okay, then we'll do the OM three times. Remember, OM will take you home. Oh.